what we're going to talk about tonight is we are going to be talking about uh, Jesus being greater than a couple of different things that we see in this passage in Luke. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to invite you guys to, to make your way to Luke chapter 4. And as you guys are finding your way there, I, I was thinking this week about some impressive displays of power. If we were to think about uh, just kind of the, the iconic uh, moments of people who display their authority or their power, uh, there were some pictures that kind of came to mind for me. I, I went to uh, military leaders like Napoleon or uh, Alexander the Great or people like that who, who conquered uh, huge parts of the world. They uh, exhibited great authority with the way that they uh, led their people, led their troops and, uh, and, and we saw that. We also, I thought of uh, somebody, old football fans that are here will recognize this, but uh, you know, I thought of like Vince Lombardi standing on the sideline with his uh, trench coat and his fedora on with his arms crossed. Like he just, he commanded uh, the sideline and, and commanded his team well. There's some uh, today, but, but he's kind of the iconic coach that, that I think of anyways. I also think of uh, displays of, of authority or really displays of power. I think of when I was little, I, would, I loved watching those World's Strongest Man competitions that they used to stick on uh, TV. And so you'd have these just hulking sized men like throwing rocks that are bigger than I am and uh, flipping telephone poles over. And you know, one of my favorite things was you would see them uh, pull a, an 18 wheeler. They'd strap up with this harness and uh, tie themselves to an 18 wheeler, or, or now they do, they tie themselves to a plane. And so they tie themselves to a plane and they uh, basically run and, and drag this plane across uh, a tarmac. It's, it's an incredible display of power. And I also thought of people like our founding fathers, people like George Washington and, and the men who uh, stood alongside of him and, and fought for uh, the freedoms that we are here celebrating, the fact that we can stand out in the public and I can hear it bouncing off of something out there. Uh, the fact that we're proclaiming the gospel and can do that proudly and boldly tonight is because of some of those men uh, like George Washington and those founding fathers who fought for freedom that we can be here uh, and celebrate. Each one of these images that, that I've thought of that I've shared with you guys is uh, an impressive uh, picture. It's, it's something that's worthy of study, is worthy of consideration for us, but they all pale in comparison to the man that we're going to look at tonight. Because what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see Jesus uh, exhibit his power, exhibit his authority in a couple of different ways. We're going to see uh, the way that he teaches with authority and the fact that he holds uh, authority and power over even the spiritual world, even uh, demons and, and things like that. So uh, as we uh, have been working our way through Luke, just a reminder for you guys of where we've been. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Jesus kind of start his ministry. And so as he has started his ministry, uh, Bruce for the last couple of weeks was talking about how in his hometown, when he was uh, in uh, home where he grew up, the, the people that probably recognized him, aren't you uh, Joseph and Mary's son? What's this guy doing? What, you know, he, where'd this guy come from? He's just the kid that grew up down the street, and he was not respected. His authority was not seen, and uh, he was actually, last week as we read the verses a little bit earlier in Luke 4, we saw that he was run out of town. He offended them to the point where uh, they were ready to grab him and, and kill him, and he had to, to, to flee town, and that's where we kind of pick up in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 
uh, 31 tonight. So I want to read our entire passage. We're going to just read all of the verses that we're going to look at tonight. So we're going to look at verses 31 all the way down through 37. We're going to read those verses uh, and then we'll go back and and pick through them a little bit. So I'm going to invite you to follow along as we read Luke chapter 4 verses 31 through 37. It says, and he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do you have with each other, Jesus of Na- Do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all. And they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. Would you guys pray with me as we jump in this this evening? God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can gather here, that we can open it up, and and that we can look at this story, this passage that we're going to see about Jesus. And God, we can see the fact that you do awesome things in awesome ways. God, this isn't something that uh, is just ancient history. God, this this is still true for us today. So God, as we gather together this evening, God, as we look at and consider this passage, God, we beg, we pray that you would continue to show uh, that you have authority, that you have power. God, we know that same power exists today, and so we're praying that you would work in our hearts, that you would work in our city, in our nation, in our world to uh, bring people not only to uh, peace with each other, but God, to peace with you. And so we pray uh, that you would speak and that you would work in our hearts and in the the hearts of anyone who's listening, whether they be uh, in another parking lot or whether they be out there uh, on the internet or on the radio frequency, wherever they might be, God, we pray that you would speak to them and that you would work tonight. And we pray all this in Jesus' uh, precious, beautiful name. Amen. All right, so... Let's jump in. The first thing that we're going to look at is the fact that Jesus is greater than other teachers. We look at those first couple of verses, verses 31 and 32. We see uh, it says that he came down to Capernaum and he was teaching there on the Sabbath. That sounds similar to uh, what we saw last week. He, he came into town. Uh, he was teaching in uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath. And, and here it says that they were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority. Whenever he would come into town, uh, one of the the hallmarks of the way that Jesus would come in and teach, he would go to the religious people. He would go to the people that that had a hunger and a passion to hear what he had to say. And so often that was in the synagogue, that he would go and that he would teach in the synagogue. So uh, as this congregation has gathered in the synagogue, uh, most of those gatherings were just of normal, humble people. We've got normal, humble townsfolk that are there gathered in the synagogue to hear Jesus speak. And as they were participating in the stuff that led up to Jesus getting up and and speaking to them, I'm sure they were just bubbling with with excitement. They, uh, by this point, uh, Jesus isn't fully known in the way that we know him now, but, but he's already started to, to gain a reputation for himself. He's already started uh, to do different things, and so word of him has, has snuck out. And so this group is eagerly awaiting uh, the sermon from this kid from Nazarene, uh, the, this kid from uh, down the street who uh, is going to be 
really causing a stir in their area for uh, the next couple of years. And uh, I'll just give you guys the short version. They weren't disappointed. Jesus came through and, and shared far more than they could have imagined. So uh, it says in verse 32 that they were amazed at his teaching. That as they sat, as they uh, listened to Jesus teach, they were amazed at his teaching. And the Greek word for amazed, if, if we literally translate it, what it means is to strike with panic or shock. They're literally blown away that, that they hear uh, this man speak and they are blown away. They are thunderstruck with uh, the incredible way that, that he speaks and that he speaks in a different way than their other teachers spoke. He doesn't speak in the same way that they've kind of gotten used to people. And if uh, rabbinic uh, history uh, from kind of around this time period, we've got some writings that we can kind of look back from a few centuries after uh, Jesus came and spoke. And there's a couple of things that I want to share with you guys. Most of the time, uh, these rabbis, when they would come and, and when they would teach, what we see from this time period is uh, it really wasn't teaching with authority. Basically, what they did is they would come up and they would share uh, what every other rabbi believed about uh, a passage of scripture or about a topic. And so they would kind of come up and, and their goal was to establish precedent. Basically, what they want to do is they want to say, well, look, all these other guys believe this, and so this is what we should believe. And it, it kind of was a, a dry and dull and, and academic exercise a lot of the time. I think they probably didn't uh, get to experience a whole lot of passion or a whole lot of authority from their teachers. Uh, if we look back, uh, Rabbi Eliezer uh, in the Talmud, which was written uh, just a couple hundred years after Jesus came, uh, he's quoted as saying, I, I thought this was interesting, uh, this teacher of the law uh, that, that kind of came from that same time period as Jesus, he said, nor have I ever in my life said a thing which I did not hear from my teachers. Everything that, that the people were coming and, and hearing from their teachers, it was secondhand theology. It was something that got handed down from uh, professor to teacher to, to them. It was, it was an academic exercise. And so when Jesus comes up, when Jesus begins to speak and, and speak with authority, it, it looks a little bit different. It starts to feel a little bit different. And so as they listen to Jesus, we, we know a couple of things about Jesus that uh, obviously uh, give us a little bit of perspective of, of what we can expect that they heard from Jesus. First, we know from story after story after story that Jesus was a special man. He was more than just a man. We've talked about that a couple of different times already in Luke. He was fully man, and, and that's important, but he was also fully God. And so as being the, the, the representative of God, the, the person of God that came to earth and, and lived among humanity, he had a unique role. He had a unique ability to, to speak on God's behalf. We also know from several different places we saw uh, at his baptism that the Holy Spirit descended on him and, and stayed on him. We saw that uh, it says in Luke chapter 4 verse 1 that he was full of the Holy Spirit. If you go back and look, we, we see several different times. We're only four chapters into Luke, and we've seen several times Luke has, has pointed out and made it very clear that the Holy Spirit, that, that, the, that the Spirit of God is at work in Jesus' life, that he has a special gifting of the Holy Spirit that's at work in him. So as Jesus gets up to teach, as Jesus gets up, what they're used to hearing is, well, well, well Tim says this, and, and John says this, and Joe says this, the those aren't great Jewish names, but you know, whatever. 
Tim and, and John and Joe and all these guys believe this and this and this. So this is what we should believe. And it's just this dry thing that many of their other teachers would do. And Jesus gets up and, and Jesus sounds different because Jesus gets up and there aren't a lot of quotation marks. There aren't a lot of, of, of block quotes. There aren't a lot of videos that he would stick up. And look, this is what somebody else said about uh, whatever this topic is that we're talking about. His style that we see several times in the book of Matthew is he would come up and he would say, you've heard it said, blah, 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 blah. But I tell you, and then he would speak with authority. He would speak and, and he would have the words of scripture woven throughout uh, what he had to say, but it, but it wasn't just an academic exercise where they would go through and, and take their outline and take their notes. He was different. Jesus spoke the words of God. He didn't just speak about the words of God. So many of their other teachers would speak about what God said, would speak about what God had done, but Jesus was up there speaking and proclaiming with authority, these are the words of God. So we see that Jesus was greater than their teachers. We also see that Jesus was greater than the evil spirits that were present. Let's read verses 33 through 37. We're going to read this next little chunk and then dig in a little bit with the evil spirits. Verse 33, it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. Jesus shows up. Jesus comes into the synagogue to, to, to proclaim, to, to teach on the Sabbath. And you know what happens? There's a man with a, an unclean spirit. There's a, a man with a demon uh, that's being possessed that's in their presence. And Jesus' presence, it makes the demon nervous. All of a sudden, uh, this, this powerful spirit that was living in him realizes he's outranked. He's, he, he's, he, he pales in comparison to the new authority that's come into the room. And so he cries out through the man asking, what are you going to do to me? What, what is, what's, what's this going to look like for me? Jesus, I know who you are. What's this going to look like? And so there's a few questions that I, I want to point out and make sense of. When he asks, what business do we have with each other? Or some translations say, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You know what that literally means? It, it literally means, what do we have in common? It was a, a, a rhetorical question. It was a way of his saying, leave me alone. What, why are the two of us hanging out? We, we don't have any reason to hang out. You can just go do your thing. Leave, leave me alone. Leave me alone. The next thing he asks is, have you come to destroy us? Is this it for us? It was an instinctive cry of dread because he knew the same thing that we can know if we study the scriptures. If we study the scriptures, if we look at it, guys, we can, anybody out there uh, read fiction, like to read a book, and, and sometimes you, you flip to the end of the book and read the last few chapters. You, you like to watch the end of the movie before you go back and see all of it. Maybe you check the sports score and make sure that your team's going to win before you waste two hours watching the game to find out that they lost. This demon that was here talking with Jesus, you know what? 
he knew the ending of the story. He knows that, that ultimately Jesus has far more power, that God has far more power, that, that there is a conflict that exists right now, but there's going to come a day where that conflict is, is settled. Whenever God says enough is enough, done. That, that's all it's going to take. A word from the mouth of God is enough for all of the demonic forces that, that exist in all of creation. If God spoke and creation came flying out, you know what? God is also able to speak and say, enough. This demon knows that, that one day this man that he's standing in front of is going to say, enough. And so he's there standing or in this other man and he asks him, have you come to destroy us? Is this it? Is, is this it? Is this my time? It was an instinctive cry of dread. And then comes one final dramatic cry. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. D the demon was not trying to, to make a buddy. He wasn't trying to give him one of those, hey, I know you, kind of a responses. Uh, the, the, there was a, a belief, there was a posture during this time in history. It was widely believed that the exact knowledge of a person's name and title brought mastery or, or brought control over an individual. So by stating, I know who you are, you're Jesus, the Messiah, the, the, the chosen one, you're, you're the one from Nazareth. What he's trying to do is he's trying with one final effort to throw a, a, a left hook out of nowhere and, and see if he can catch Jesus. It's his little simple way of trying to fight back. And we know how silly that ultimately was, but we see him try to fight back. And in verse 35, we see Jesus rebuke him saying, be quiet and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing any harm. I kind of, you just, just use your imagination with me for a minute. I got four kids that are sitting there. Well, I got a couple of kids and I think a couple of them went to the bathroom. I got a couple of kids over here. This is fun because I get to talk about my kids. Normally they're upstairs in the classes or whatever, and now they're here and I can embarrass them fully. But what I see in this verse, what I, what I think of in this verse, as I read this, you know what I see with the demon? Jesus says, enough, be quiet and come out. And what the demon does, he like throws a little temper tantrum on the way out. You guys don't ever do that, right? Like we don't, we don't do that at our house. But you know, like sometimes you'll, a kid will get mad and they'll like kick something on their way out of the, like, I'm gonna obey, but I'm gonna show you that I'm mad while I'm doing it. Why? Well, I, I kind of see that in this demon. He, he, he doesn't really have any authority to do any harm. Jesus says, come out and, and, and be quiet and come out of him. And he doesn't really have the authority to, to do any harm if Jesus says, don't do harm. But he kind of like just throws him down and, and throws his little temper tantrum and then comes out and doesn't actually do any harm to the individual. We see here the destructive tendencies of evil are overcome by the authority that Jesus possesses. All Jesus had to say was enough, quiet, and come out. And the demon had no choice but to come out and to obey. The authority of Jesus with just a simple word. Jesus holds authority over this, uh, this, this power that was possessing the man. The last thing we're going to look at is Jesus and the fact that Jesus is greater than all the other voices. And this is going to start to hit a little closer to home for us. We're going to start to take this and, and start to put it together for us today. Because today, the victory and the authority of Christ that, that we're reading about in these verses 
it's even more clearly established for us because we have the rest of the Bible. When Jesus is here speaking, he's in, he's in Luke, so we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then all of the stuff that comes after that hasn't been written yet. They didn't have the rest of the Bible that we have. So if, if we read the rest of that, we see Jesus's power, Jesus's authority, Jesus, he, he's established even more as the one that, that everything else bows down to. And I want to read for you guys a couple of verses from uh, what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. You guys can turn there or you can just listen. I'm going to read for you guys Colossians chapter 2 verses 13, 14, 15. It says, uh, Paul talking about this, he says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. These verses, simply put, they're, they're, a, they're a really awesome, clear summary of what Jesus did when, when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus not only went to the cross to, to, to give us something cool to celebrate every March, April you know, season at Easter, he, he, he conquered, he, he put to shame, he openly crushed the enemy. He disarmed the enemy, the enemy's doom is sealed. I was reading this week, kind of getting ready for this. I read a story that I wanted to share with you guys, just a little picture of what this looks like. Because I was reading a story about a, a child, a, a little child who had a balloon. You know a balloon, you can, you can hold it in your hand. Before it's blown up, it's just a little tiny piece of rubber. So you take that little balloon and, and that, that child took the balloon and he started to blow it up and, and he's blowing it up. And as it starts to blow up, you see that there's a face on the balloon. You see that there's a, a scary, uh, kind of a, a scary mask face on the balloon. And so as he blows the balloon up bigger and bigger, the, the balloon starts to look pretty scary, right? The, the balloon starts to look, this, this face starts getting bigger and bigger and more and more intimidating looking. Till finally he blows and he blows and he blows and it finally pops. What in reality was nothing looked pretty intimidating pretty scary to both the child and, and maybe other children that were around that saw this scary face on the balloon but as he continued to blow the balloon up it finally popped and suddenly he's stuck standing there with just little pieces and, and it doesn't matter how much you try to stretch out the pieces of the balloon and 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 hold it's it's not scary anymore the the intimidation of what was once this, this intimidating looking balloon is gone. We pause and think about this. It, it was an interesting little story, but it, it really is a great illustration for us of what Jesus did when Jesus went to the cross for us. See, as Jesus went to the cross, the devil, Satan, began to, to be filled with pride. He, he had this weird sense of, he, he thought he had won. The people that were around that, that, that had followed Jesus for three and a half years, they, they probably thought the enemy had won. Jesus said that this wasn't supposed to happen. I, I don't remember this being talked about at all. Jesus is supposed to be the one that gives us victory. Why is Jesus dead? The big scary face had, had started to grow and grow and grow. But when Jesus 
got up on Easter Sunday and got up and walked out of that grave and proved that he had power over the sin that he had paid the punishment for and that he had power over death that that many people in this world, anybody listening out there, we don't have to fear death. We don't have anything to fear because when Jesus got up and walked out of that grave, death no longer has power over us. Sin no longer has power over us. And that balloon, it got popped. So when we stand here, when, when, when we listen to this story about how Jesus had authority over the evil powers, that, that Jesus had authority over uh, the, the other teachers that they were comparing him to, don't miss the fact that, that Jesus has proven even now we're sitting here with even more information than they had. That we know that Jesus has even more power, that, that Jesus has exhibited, that he has power over all of creation. That there is nothing that we can fear. I, I've had countless conversations uh, with one of my kids that, that had a bad dream a few weeks ago. And time and time and time again, we've had to talk about why, why are we afraid? There's no reason for you to be afraid. What's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, maybe, you know, a bad guy comes and gets me or I, I die. You know what? That's the best thing that could possibly happen to us is that we die. If, if, if we die and we know Christ, that's a win for us. The worst thing that could happen in this world is a win for us. So, guys, Jesus, the, the, the authority, the power, the, the, the strength that God stands in heaven and, and, and displays openly for us as we look at his word tonight, we see this authority is greater than anything else that we have to face. This authority has, is, is greater than anything else that we may fear. This authority is greater than any other voice that we may be tempted to listen to. I don't want us to miss this point here as, as we're coming to a close. Jesus went to war with the forces of evil, and as he did that, we remember about three weeks ago as Pastor Dave preached when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. You know what he did? You know how he responded? He pointed to the written word of God, that the authority that is found in the scriptures is, is capable of helping us stand up against any temptation, any sin, any, any problem that, that we face. The word of God is sufficient. It's enough. It, it may not address how you should post on social media. It doesn't talk about social media a lot, but, but it tells us everything that we need to know. It doesn't address all of the details of coronavirus, but it tells us everything that we need to know, doesn't it? The word of God is sufficient for everything that we may face in this life. Jesus's ministry was deeply dependent on God's word. A couple of weeks ago, Bruce stood. Well, I wasn't here. It was in there. Uh, he, he, he stood and, and pointed out Jesus's first sermon that, that pointed back to Isaiah 61. Jesus was dependent on the word of God. He was dependent on pointing to scripture in his ministry. The Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus's most famous teachings was really, it was, it was an exposition of the Old Testament law. It was Jesus saying, this is what the Old Testament talks about and let me explain it really clearly for you, what this practically looks like for you. Even at, after Jesus's resurrection, he points in Luke 24, he, he talks about beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, after he was resurrected, pointed to the scriptures again. He, 
he, he pointed to the word of God. He pointed to the Bible. He pointed over and over and over again to the word of God and to the authority that the word of God held. I want to tell you guys tonight, if the church is going to have any authority in the world today, if, if we want to point to any authority, it's not what we think. It's not what someone else thinks. It's, it's not what uh, we've heard on the news or on the radio or anywhere else. The authority that we can point to today as the church that, that has ultimate authority is the word of God. Paul's charge to Timothy comes to all of us as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Paul tells Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed because he accurately handles the word of truth. Some other translations say, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed because we rightly handle the word of truth. Study, work hard, know what it says. That's, that's simply put, know what's in the Bible so that you don't have to be ashamed of, of the fact that God gave you all the answers and somehow you missed it because you didn't take the time to read it and listen to what it said. Study so that, that you can handle God's word accurately the way that he wants us to. A few paragraphs later in 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy again what he's supposed to do as a result of this study. I want to read for you guys 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5. It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. When I read those verses, uh, we, don't, we don't have to wait for the time to come like it talks about in verse 3. That, that they will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll accumulate for themselves teachers who will say what they want to hear. It's basically what it says when it, when it talks about wanting to have their ears tickled. It, it says that they're going to find somebody who's going to say what they want to hear so that they don't get their toes stepped on, right? Our postmodern culture is not interested in thought-out doctrine. It's, it's not interested in hearing what the Bible actually says. It's interested in hearing what they think come out of your mouth, Right? If, if you turn on any of the news channels, you know what most of them do? They, they gain an audience because they say what the people that are watching are thinking. We don't, we don't go to the news and, and look for something that's going to challenge our thinking. We go to the news to hear what we think come out of their mouth. We go on social media and we look for articles that, that line up with, with what we want to hear, Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like this one because it says what I think and I'm not going to like this one or I'm going to get mad or I'm going to unfollow this person or whatever because it says something different than what I think. Guys, we're, we're all in a dangerous place with that right now in our world. And I want to say two things to that. The first one is, I don't care that much about social media and whatever happens on there, that's totally secondary. I, I don't care what you think about coronavirus and, and how that all plays out. I, I don't care what you think about this issue or about this political t conversation or this. What, there, there's a lot of things that a lot of people fight about that are so secondary, that are so like not even up here with, like they're, they're back behind the trailer somewhere. I, I don't care about those things. 
But you know what I do care about? I do care about it when, when we do that same thing, when we go look for people that say what we want to hear when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the way that our relationship with the Lord looks, then that's a big problem, right? Because if I just go looking for what I want to hear, if I just go looking for, for someone to say something that I already think so that it makes me feel good about, about doing what I, go, uh, but what I want to do, then that's a, that's a really dangerous place for us to be, isn't it? We go look for teachers that say what we want to hear so that we can follow what they have to say. That's not the way that the Word of God works. I want to caution you with one more thing that we're all guilty of from time to time. Because there's one more, there's, there's one final voice that we have to address that as we're listening to all these voices that come in from the TV or, or from uh, different influences, different places that we look and, and listen, there's one final voice that we have to address that, that lies to us more than any other. And it's the voice that we don't have to go listen to from anywhere else. It's the voice that lives in our own head. Because when things get quiet, we, we've all got that voice in our head that tells us, what we think or, or what we're entitled to or what our rights are or what we deserve or uh, we, we like to stand up and defend that voice a lot of the time, don't we? The world says, follow your heart. The world says, find what feels right to you and do that. But you know what the Bible says about our heart? The Bible says that, that, that our flesh, that, that who we are in our core can't be trusted. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 17, verse 9, it says that the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Trust your heart is a really dangerous thing for us to do because our heart is broken. Our heart is sinful. Our, our flesh tells us to do things that really we shouldn't do if we're submitting ourselves to the authority that Jesus spoke with, to the authority of the word of God. There's a battle going on inside of us every day every decision, there is a battle that wages war in us. We can choose, if we are believers in Christ, if we are born again and, and, and Jesus's followers, there's a fight that happens in us every moment of every day. We can choose to, to live the way that we want to, listen to our heart, listen to our flesh, listen to the things that are inside of me. I, I like that. I want to do that. Or we can choose to submit what we want, lay that aside, and listen to what it is that God tells us that we should want. Those don't always line up. I'll tell you guys from the stage loudly and, and not proud, but, but I'm willing to confess it. There's a lot of times that the things that I want to do aren't the things that God tells me I should do. And I have to fight that fight every decision, every, every moment of the day. I have to fight, God, am I going to give you the obedience that you deserve, or am I going to go do what I want to do in this moment, in this situation? Am I going to respond the way that, that I want to? We have to look to the Word of God for victory in our life. If I listen to that voice in my head, that's the only influence I have in my life, I'm probably going to do what it says a lot of the time. The way for for, for this side, the, the way for God's voice in my life to win is to listen to him more than I listen to the voice that lives inside of me. And this isn't just some quick uh, verse of the day fix. Like it's, it's not enough for us to just have a verse, Bible verse on our coffee mug that we, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like we have to submit ourselves to 
Even when the Bible says something that we don't like, we submit ourselves to it anyways. Even when we are, are tired and don't feel like reading it, we read it anyways and we submit ourselves to it anyways. We don't, we, you can't just get this much of it and submit yourself to it and, and win in those fights. Just because I can quote Einstein's theory, E equals MC squared, I, we all probably could say that, right? Anybody in here actually understand what it means and, and are we able to apply it? I, I know that I can't apply it. I know what it says. I know the, the letters and the numbers and the details, but I can't make anything profitable from that. I just know the, the, the equation. All right, great. Do we do that with, with our relationship with the Lord at all? It's really dangerous for us to do that, right? Yeah, I know, I know some stuff. I can say some stuff. I can, I can say E equals MC squared. If you can just say it, but you don't know how to apply it, if, if it doesn't make any difference, what are we doing? We have to dive into it. We have to submit ourselves to it. We have to, we have to make it the authority in our life. Same way that we've seen Jesus in positions of authority and, and, and revealing his authority time and time and time again. I want to finish with, with an old Native American story. So I was reading, I, I've heard this story time and time and time again, but it, it kind of fits here. There's an old Native American story that, that says that uh, inside of every person, there are two wolves that live. The, the wolf that is driven by love and good and, and the wolf who is driven by evil, the wolf who does what he wants. In every moment, in every decision, well, which wolf wins? The proverb says, the, the wolf that you feed. The one that you feed is the one that wins. Well, if we apply that, take that out of the, the context that it was in and apply it to, to, to where we are today, Christian, that has the flesh and the Holy Spirit living and working in you. Both of those things are, are actively a part of your life. Which one of them is going to win today? Which one of them is going to win tomorrow? I'll tell you, the one that you give authority to, the one that you feed. If you feed your spirit, the spirit is going to be strong and the spirit is going to win. If you feed your flesh, don't throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't understand why I can't get victory over this sin issue. Because you're feeding that wolf, not the good one. We have to submit ourselves. Whether the voice in our head, whether our heart says yes or no, that the voice inside of me is not the authority in my life. The word of God is. Jesus is. We're going to finish up here in just a second. I want to remind you guys after we're done, our prayer team is going to be over here in the corner. If you need prayer, uh, we would love, love, love to have our team pray with you, talk with you. If, 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 if this fight, this conflict in your life, if you need to, to talk through that with somebody, they would love to, to stop and talk with you and, and spend some time with their masks on and, and, and the breeze blowing and all that stuff, just hanging out and, and talking through how you can make that decision to, to make Jesus the authority in your life. Most importantly... I want you to leave here tonight knowing 
in the, de- in the depths of your soul. There is a fight. There is a fight for your soul. There, there is a fight for every decision that you make. For everything that you do, there is a fight that happens in you. Whether you've given your life to Jesus and, and have called yourself a Christian and, and received his gift of salvation or whether you haven't, there's a fight that's going on in your life between the authority of Jesus and the authority of the evil one, of Satan. As, a, as, a, as someone who hasn't made that decision to make Jesus the king in your life, well, well, that fight is for that decision. If you have, that, that fight is for every decision. Are you going to feed the spirit or are you going to feed your flesh? Are you going to stand for the things that God tells you to stand for? And parenthetical side note, we have to read what the Bible says and know all of what the Bible says in order for us to really be good at obeying that. We can't just do it in 144 characters on Twitter. We have to, we have to know what the Bible says. Are you going to feed that? Or are you just going to listen to whatever other voices there are in your life? Whether it's inside of you, whether it's the voices that you read on the internet that agree with you, whether it's the, the, the voices that you hear on TV that agree with you, what are you going to feed? Are you going to submit yourself to the Word of God or are you going to submit yourself to wherever your passions and your desires blow you? Would you guys pray with me? God, we, um, God, we need you. Every moment, every decision, everything that we do, we need you. We need you deeply. We, we, God, our natural tendency is to, is to do what we want. God, help us not to be people who just do what we want. God, help us to be people who understand and, and, and openly acknowledge, God, that you are the king, that you are the boss in my life, in our lives, and that we will submit what we think to what you think. We will change what we think to be what what, what you think. We will obey what you say, not what we want. God, we acknowledge openly the authority that Jesus has, the, the authority that you have, and God, you, you exhibit it over other teachers. You exhibit it over the evil spirit that we read about in Luke. And God, you, God, exhibit it in our lives. God, work in our lives and move in us. We need you. That's our prayer tonight. We need you. God, do your work in us. Amen.